Hey guys, it's Jeremy from Missing the Podcast, and welcome to our latest episode. We'll get to it in just a minute, but first, I want to let you know a couple of things. First and foremost, you're not going to hear us talking a lot in this episode about the new Chemistry album or the Vegas shows, and that's because, as a reminder, we record our episodes a few weeks in advance before they're released. So at the time that this episode was recorded, all of the information about both the album and the New Vegas shows were not public. However, you might find a couple of moments during the show where it sounds like Pam and I are not exactly completely focused on the information that we're giving you guys. And that is because while we were recording this episode in the middle of it, we were starting to be given information from trusted sources about not only the album, but the Vegas shows as well. So we were very absent-minded we were very thoughts elsewhere while we were recording this episode as we were very excited to learn a lot of the new information so keep that in mind as you listen to this episode we are going to have plenty of chemistry content and plenty more vegas content still to come throughout the spring and the summer so do not worry that is all coming but in the meantime we hope you will enjoy this new episode all about breaking down the album piece by piece. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. My name is Pam. And I'm Jeremy. Thank you so much for being with us today as we bring you once again in our long series of album breakdowns, the next in line, which happens to be the Kelly Clarkson album from 2015, Piece by Piece. I hadn't listened to this album in its entirety in a while, maybe a couple years. Like I've, really? li- I've listened to like songs, obviously, but not sure. the whole thing like in one sitting. Um, and it's funny we were we were just talking off air. And this was an album when it came out, like, I was obsessed with it. I loved it. You know, could do no wrong. And Mm -hmm. as time has progressed, as we've gotten more music, as my taste has changed, this is definitely not in one of my favorite albums by her. And you kind of have a little bit of an opposite feeling towards it. I do. This is an album that I didn't love when it first came out. And I have since grown to really enjoy this album there are there are a lot of songs on here that i really didn't give the time of day to when they first came out but then once i've sort of lived with the album for a while i've gone back and now some of these songs i would actually rank among some of my i mean i don't know if i can go so far to say my favorites because that would be like a like a top 10 of Kelly's songs of all time, but pretty darn close. Like there are some songs that I barely, if at all listened to when this album came out. And maybe I would even say like the, the year after, Wow! but then later on, uh, much later on, I revisited the album and found myself really, really liking some songs. And I find that very interesting that you and I have kind of, diverging paths when it comes to this record and i'm excited to talk about it and uh, get some feelings out so before we get started today on our new episode we there is a little bit of news that is not vegas related um kelly has a 
new song that's out, but it's not what you think. It's not for her new album, to our knowledge. It is actually a collaboration with Jeff Goldblum. Yes, I'm very excited about this. Um, you know, you want to talk about the duets or the collaborations, I guess, more like in this case, that I did not have on my bingo card for 2023. It was Kelly Clarkson and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, it's a song called Don't Fence Me In slash Strolling. Does that mean it's like two songs in one? Maybe it's like a little intro and then the song. Yeah, there's a little bit of a mashup. It's mostly Don't Fence Me In, but there is a little bit of uh, of of strolling in there as well. Yeah, so Jeff Goldblum, I didn't realize he was a musician. I'm not going to lie, but he's had a couple of albums out with uh, Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. <laughs> um, it's a... So... Honestly, this is so not what I was expecting in terms of the sound. Mm-hmm. Like we knew we knew the song was coming, but it wasn't anything that was ever really promoted. I like it was mentioned once or twice here and there, like on the show and like online, but like this was not this was something that easily could have been missed. Yeah. Um if you if you're if you're a Kelly fan. Kelly did not promote it herself, uh, to my knowledge. Um it's a really fun song though. It's very jazzy. Mm-hmm. Like smooth, smooth, jazzy. Um, I feel like as like Rob kind of compared to to us, it's like a cousin of Little Green Apples. <laughs> but I like this a lot more because I just this is also just her singing. Jeff is not even on. Yeah, it. I think Jeff is more in the background, um, leading the the orchestra. And you know, this song is. I mean, this song is almost 90 years old. It's an old Cole Porter song. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, it's an old Cole Porter song. I mean, this is oh, a this I, is like this is the definition of a standard. Um, it's yeah. you know, just and it's actually considered to be one of the best, like okay, so I I I feel like I need to explain a little bit. So there is uh, music that came out like early, early on. And when I say early, I mean like early like the 1920s 1930s and 40s um there was a lot of music that was considered western music but it wasn't like country like you think of country today because country used to be known as country western this is you think like western like hemisphere well like america like the west the american west yeah and so there was this group that got together called the western writers of america and they actually chose don't fence me in as one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. Yeah. Really? And this, uh, it was originally in a movie called, uh, or a, mu- a musical rather, I think it was, uh, don't fence me in. And again, it's from 1934 was when this song was originally written. And wow. so it doesn't surprise me that like Jeff Goldblum and, and sort of the musical, uh, influences that he has would go after a song like this. Like Roy Rogers performed this song. Kids, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Bing Crosby performed this song. Kids, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Frank Sinatra, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Uh, there are a lot of versions that are out there of this particular song. I uh, and I mean, like uh, Gene Autry, Willie Nelson, the Killers have like what? yes. They actually did this um, for a Nevada tourism campaign. So, huh. yeah, Harry Connick Jr., Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba? Yeah, uh, David Byrne of the Talking Heads. Like, a lot of people have covered this song. And so now we have a Kelly Clarkson version. And, Pam, when I say that 
I didn't know how bad I wanted a Kelly Clarkson standards album until I heard this oh, song. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is, I mean, this is harkens back to the stuff like that, their performance. Yeah. Um, and, and that song is from like the thirties or forties. So this song just was so beautiful. Her vocal, I mean, stop it. Her vocal is so good. She sounds so incredible singing with an orchestra. Just beautiful tone. Uh, the the song like didn't lose my attention at any point in the you know four minutes that the song lasts. Just a, a a wonderful wonderful performance. And you know this is for me. And I understand that there's still a lot of newness to it. But when it comes to like Kelly Clarkson one off songs, this is one of the best. Yeah, she her voice was made for this. She sounds it sounds effortless. It sounds beautiful like golden it's so good and yeah i definitely uh ditto on your standards album idea i think she was made for it i can definitely see her doing that somewhere down the line and um it's just incredible and you know it also got the wheels turning again this also sounds like it's a broadway thing you said it was from a musical Mm -hmm. so it's it sounds like something she would sing if she was starring in a broadway show and it just again got my like oh my god i hope it happens one day um I it's it's really good and I I had no idea what to expect I didn't know the song I was not familiar with Jeff's music career and it was such a pleasant surprise to get and I also thought they were both going to be singing and yeah. like, I would have loved to hear Jeff sing yeah that's fine I don't care either way but the fact that I was like oh this is just her on vocals made it like even more of a shock but it's great mm so good and i remember when we had jesse on we asked her what her her who her favorite person on the show has been and she was like jeff goldblum without a yep. doubt so i i wonder just to have i mean i don't know if she had any participation in this like i don't know if she did any of the vocal arrangement i tend to maybe doubt it but i could be wrong i don't know but she must have been excited to hear about this though. well i'm sure that jason had something to do with at the very least the vocal production of this particular song yeah. and and I'm like you, I kept listening to the song, waiting for Jeff Goldblum to come in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at being all Kelly and to hear her sing this style and this genre of music. I mean, I, I want a whole album, honestly. And it's funny cause you know, when the song came out, we, we talk a lot about our little group chat that we have with some friends and, and our fashion correspondent Rob is, is in that chat. And he said, you know, be careful what you wish for. I had to go through a whole standards era with Gloria Stefan, uh, which he's also a big <laughs> fan of. And it sounds like he did not care so much for the Gloria Stefan uh, standards era. But I got to say, you know, a woman who like Kelly, who can sing absolutely anything. This I want to hear more of. And, you know, I saw some people being like, oh, Broadway when, you know, and I understand that take. This is this is a little something different for me because like, yes, there is a Broadway sound, but this is a standards sound. This is a 1930s, 1940s sort of old fashioned sound to music, you know, when you're singing with an orchestra and it is absolutely beautiful. And I was I was stunned by how much I really, really loved this song. If she did an album with this style of music, I can guarantee you she would win that 
the the pop traditional vocal album perform uh that category for the grand oh the one that when christmas comes around was nominated for this uh-huh. year that michael michael buble usually wins i think if she did it something in this style hands down she would win i it. don't it's so it's it's so i different. don't doubt it in the least i think she would be a shoe in yeah. for it so uh if you get a chance it's on all the download uh services again the song it's called Don't Fence Me In slash Strollin'. It's by Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra featuring Kelly Clarkson, of course. And it is a must listen. Add it to your library, to your playlists, whatever it is, uh, because it's just absolutely fantastic. And listen to the rest of the record as well. I mean, Kelly's not on the rest of the record, but it's also very, very good. Um, if you If you dig that style of music, or even if you're just a music fan and you want to get exposed to a different sound, Listen to the rest of that uh, that EP because it's really, really good. But the Kelly version, mwah, perfect. Okay, so we will get started. I'm going to preface to y'all listening. I don't know if you can tell. I can tell. I sound a little <laughs> – I might sound a little sick. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just me hearing, but I'm a little sick. So if I sound a little uh, – <laughs> you know why. <laughs> I'm not in my, my Patty and Selma phase like I was this morning as I was telling you. Um <laughs> But I'm, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little nasal. Anywho, let's get started. All right. Let's do it. Piece by piece. It is Kelly's seventh studio album, arguably maybe eight if you want to include greatest hits. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the final one that she released with RCA and came out in 2015. Uh, the date kind of varies depending what country you're in. So um, it was either February 27th, March 2nd, March 3rd, 2015. Um, it was March 3rd in the States for the two of us. Um, and there were some later dates as well, depending on where you live. But those are the general times. Now, one of the things that I learned much later on about the album is that Kelly actually considers this to be what's known as a concept album. And for those of you who are not aware of a concept album, it is an album that sort of sits under an overarching theme. There's sort of a there's sort of a, a a meaning to the whole album as a whole. Even though you can still listen to the songs individually, it's meant to be consumed as one collective piece of material, as collective piece of art. And Kelly says that she kind of looked at it like the soundtrack to a movie, and she even believed that like each song could have been a single. Um, I. I'm I don't know how much I really buy into the fact that this was a concept album. For instance, some other concept albums that are out there that are pretty well known. I think the best known example at least recently is the Green Day album American Idiot. That is a concept album. That is an album that is best enjoyed from front to back. Yeah, cuz a lot of those uh, songs like literally like when one ends, it goes directly into the next one, which I love that yeah and i mean it's it's telling a story from one song to the next all of the stories of each song are intertwined uh the beetle beetles sergeant pepper is another one lemonade by beyonce death of a bachelor by panic at the disco those are some other concept albums going back and re-listening to piece by piece i was trying to figure out okay so if this is the case if if piece by piece is a concept album what is the story and aside from making assumptions about an abstract story that's going on, I'm having a hard time 
picking out what the story is of the album. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not going to tell Kelly she's wrong because obviously, like, she's correct because it's her album. But yeah. I do not hear this at all. Like, I actually hear the complete opposite. Like, this is the album that I've said on record before, and I'm sure I'm wrong. But it, like, was like, oh, shoot, we have another album? You know, Greatest Hits didn't count. Like, we have to do another album? <laughs> Let's throw some songs there. Like, songs that she likes and that she resonates with and a lot that she wrote on. But I don't hear any cohesiveness with this album at all. Like, yeah. I don't. So I, I am I, – I, just like you, I'm having a very difficult time understanding how this is a concept album. Like, I would argue, like, maybe Meaning of Life could be one. Sure. This? I, no. I don't I, get I it. I find it interesting to hear, like, a, a pop artist. And I'll, I'll say artist because that could be either a pop group or an uh, individual singer. I find it strange and difficult to see how a pop singer can make a concept album. I need to go back and re-listen to Lemonade by Beyonce because I was unaware that that was considered a concept album. So uh, I'll need to go back and re-listen and see if I can pick up sort of the theme and the story of that entire album. But this is more common with like rock bands. And so when I found out that that's what the case was with this album, I was very intrigued and very surprised because I did not think that in the least bit when I first heard this album. So it's an interesting little anecdote. You can sort of be your own judge as to what the the story behind it is. I'm sure that it's it, it has a specific story that she had in mind, but at the same time, I think that it's also a little bit open to interpretation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't hear it. If you guys hear it, let us know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, so even though this came out in uh, 2015, she actually started recording it um, in 2013 when she was on tour with Maroon 5 on the Honda Civic tour. So this was like a while that was it was yeah. being worked on for quite a bit. So if you thought this current album was getting worked on a bit, as was piece by piece. <laughs> um, and there were over 20 songs that um, they were working with, apparently. And it does explain because it is a quite a long album, and then you you get we'll get into it. But there is the deluxe version as well. So, um, and she was pregnant with River at the time. I guess pregnant and having a newborn both because River was born yeah. in twenty fourteen. Um, yep. So being you know an expecting mom and a new mom uh, prevented her a bit from working and being a bit more involved in the writing process, which I found was interesting. And this is where I feel like the the concept album whole thing sort of breaks down a little bit. Yeah. Because a lot of times if you are making a concept album, you are the principal writer of every song. Because if you're going to, I mean, there's a lot of writers on this album in addition to Kelly. And so in order to do that, you would almost have to have like a big meeting of all the people that are intended to write on this album and say, here is the theme. Here's where we're going for. Try to make sure you follow this storyline. And then you have to get everybody to buy into that. Whereas that is not what happened for this album. There were there were songs on this album, and we'll get into it later on, that were intended for other artists or other artists wrote them and didn't know who they were going to. So that's why I, again, like Pam said, Kelly's right. This is, If she says it's a concept album, it's a concept album in the way that she perceives it. But 
by the standard definition, this makes me a little hard to, it makes it hard to swallow that this is a concept album simply because of the amount of cooks in the kitchen that it took to write all the songs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there were a couple different formats this came in. So what do we mean by formats? So this was released as a standard CD. So how many songs are on the album? Uh, the sta- the standard album has 13 songs. The deluxe has 16. There we go. Okay. So it was released two different kinds of CDs. Um, fun fact that I didn't, I don't think I knew until about like a year or so ago. I think I learned on this podcast was that <laughs> I think like depending on the deluxe or the standard, the direction that Kelly is looking in on the album, on the, the artwork, it like varies, right? Yes, that's right. If you have the standard version, Kelly is looking straight ahead at you. And if you have the deluxe edition, she is looking to her left in the face collage. Mind blown. Didn't know that until I started here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, we have the standard CD and we have the deluxe CD that has three additional tracks. We'll get into that in a little bit. There was also a box set CD, um, which I think we gave away. I think Rob was getting rid of some stuff we gave away on as a contest within the last year or so. Um, And it included some puzzle pieces. Because, you know, the piece by piece puzzle, whole concept. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and each puzzle piece, like, represented, like, a different song. Um, that CD, like, that box set was the deluxe CD was included there. Apparently, there was a tour pre-sale code in there. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it happened. Um, yeah, I still have mine. Mine is entirely intact, and it did not have a tour yeah. uh, pre- pre-sale anything. Because, like, I still... Even my puzzle pieces are still in the original wrapper. Like so I are mine. Yeah, I haven't taken mine out at all, so they're still wrapped up. And then all it had, I, I kept the little piece of paper that was included on the back. When you, when the album is still shrink-wrapped, it had a little piece of paper on the back of it that listed all the songs, even though the back of the album had all the songs listed. I don't know if they uh, thought they were going to make a last-minute change or they needed I guess they needed the barcode for it, so there's apparently that. But, yeah, mine did not have any kind of pre-sale code, unless maybe the later pressings of it, once the tour was announced, maybe those are the ones that had the pre-sale code in them. Yeah, I don't know. I read that, and I don't. I have no memory because it was eight years ago. But, anywho, um, and then there was also the double LP, the vinyl version. That was the deluxe uh, album. It was double LP, so it was two physical records. I think it was yep. like four songs on each side. Um, and that's also that was the first Kelly album yes. that had an almost immediate vinyl release. Yes. Uh, the vinyl didn't come until a few weeks later after the initial release, but this is the first Kelly album. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to well, go. Well, no, on didn't wrapped in red. Wrapped in red did. Wrapped did wrapped in red. Yeah. Did wrapped in red have a vinyl right away? The red one, yes. The green one came later, but the red a one year later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my mistake, but okay. So first non Christmas album to have a uh, a vinyl release, and of course, I mean that that makes sense because 2014 when you get uh, you know 2013 2014. Is sort of at the beginning of the resurgence of vinyl. By the way, Pam, I read uh, a statistic the other day that for the first time since 1987, vinyl outsold CDs last year. I believe it. I absolutely believe yeah. it. Um, another format that came out was the re- the deluxe CD 
had a reissue in 2016. And why was it why was it reissued? Why was it reprinted? Why was it repressed? Because it included, which we'll get into a little bit, but included the piece by piece idol version, that song. Um, so if you have a if your deluxe CD has the idol version on it, that means you got it 2016 or later. So I don't have that. That might be something I maybe want to invest in if I happen to find it. Yeah, I noticed that I don't have the uh, the idle version either, which uh, also would now bring the deluxe edition up to 17 songs because it was the one additional song that they added to it. So my earlier statement is amended that the deluxe has either 16 or 17 songs, depending on the version that you received. There was another version of sort of. I wouldn't say another version of Piece by Piece, but we did get a... I believe digital only version of the piece by piece. It tech they technically call it an album, but I don't want to call it an album. I'll call it an EP. I don't know. I mean it I mean it was an album. It had more I think it had like ten songs on it, didn't it? Yeah, but I'm not gonna be like, oh like okay, we're talking about the piece by piece remixed album, but like I'm not gonna be like, you know, the piece by piece remix is Kelly's ninth studio album. Like I'm not gonna go that far. No, um, I would I would not also go that far. Yeah. So to give some backstory, I'm sure some of you probably know this, some of you might not, but I'll say it anyway. Um, they recorded the piece-by-piece piece idol version. It's like the, I guess we'll call it the acoustic version of the song. Um, Kelly had gone on American Idol to perform it as her little promo single. It was, the at the time, the final season of Idol, so she was there. She um, She was very pregnant, and she sang that song. And it went ext- the performance went extremely viral. So immediately they were like, "We're going into the studio." So that performance was on February twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. They went into the studio, and because it got such good response, they recorded the idol version in the studio, and released it four days later. On I guess it was a leap year. It was uh, February 29th, ninth, twenty sixteen. It was a leap year. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they literally released it a few days later. And then what they ended up doing is they took that, they took the um, the tightrope, the song tightrope. They did a live version on tour. They did that, and then they included some remixes, and they threw it all together. And on March fourth, twenty sixteen, they released the piece by piece remixed album. And I believe it's only digital, but that's just like another little version of the album you can kind of hear. So. A lot of different formats. Yeah, it is. Uh, I had to double check and remind myself that I actually had this album still because I was like, oh, so technically, yes, I do have the the Idol uh, performance because they not only did they put out the Idol performance as a single, they also put it. And when I say put it out as a single, the they sold it as a single individually shortly after Kelly's appearance on the show. But then they also included it on the digital version of the remix album. Uh, I can go ahead and probably speak for Pam right now. We are not going to be doing an album breakdown no. of the piece by piece <laughs> remix album. Absolutely not. Was- um, you know, and and just kind of like how Pam, how we did the, uh, we had to do eventually. We had to get around and doing a voice uh, episode. I feel like eventually we are going to need to get around to doing a remix episode and talk about the various remixes that are out there. I mean, I know we can't cover all of them because yeah. I'm sure there's one out there, ones out there we don't even know about, but there have been a lot of Kelly remixes. So we're probably going to have to address that 
uh, at some point, and I'm sure that this album will be uh, a conversation piece. If there is anyone out there who like prides themselves genuinely on knowing a lot of the remixes, like I don't want to say he's an expert, but like really is like, oh yeah, I know a lot of them. I listen, like reach out to us because like I don't know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know some, but like I definitely would be doing research for that episode <laughs> so someone if you're out there and you love kelly remixes like hit us up if you'd um, like to be our kelly clarkson remix correspondent yeah hit us up <laughs> absolutely um, jeremy do you want to talk about the charts for this this album i will yes and i'm very excited to do so because uh this was a great album it was actually uh kelly's third album to debut at number one and uh she hasn't been able to do it since. Granted, she hasn't released uh, a ton of new material since then. But either way, uh, this is the last album that she's had that debuted at number one. We can keep our fingers crossed that the new project maybe does that as well. I went top five in uh, three other countries, Australia, Canada, and of all places, Scotland. Cool. Uh, the album was also certified gold, which means it sold over 500,000 copies is that uh, in, the US? in the U.S.? That's U.S.? That's in the, that's in the U.S., okay. yeah. Every other, every other country has different levels of what makes an album like gold, platinum, etc. So when normally when we talk about the albums that go gold or whatnot, that is specifically talking about here in America. Got it. And uh, if we're talking about awards, it was nominated for three Grammys, which I had forgotten about. Um, so it was, she, the, the album itself was nominated for best pop vocal album. It lost to 1989 by Taylor Swift. I mean, not surprising. I'm not, not, not going to lie. Not surprising. I mean, look, the, the year that she was nominated for this album, there was a lot of really, really big pop product out there. And again, like you said, that 1989 album by Taylor was huge. You had Ed Sheeran out there as well. You had, um, Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. Uh, I mean, there were there were some big, big songs out right at the same time that Kelly had this album available. Yeah. Um, she also was nominated for Best Pop Solo Performance for Heartbeat Song. And I think this was the year there was like pseudo online controversy because she lost to Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran. And then all the other nominees were women and they all lost yeah. to Ed. I'm pretty sure there was something that went on like viral on like Twitter. Um, and then I guess the following year, yeah, following yep. year, um, same pop solo performance, um, for piece by piece idol version and lost to hello by Adele. And like, you can't really argue with that, that song, you couldn't escape it. So makes sense, oh, yeah. but it was just still an honor. Honestly, I was impressed that she got nominated for these in the first place because there was like some, as you said, really tight competition. As far as the critical reception of the album piece by piece, Rolling Stone gave it three stars. Uh, Billboard magazine gave it three and a half stars. I, there's not a lot of other super relevant publications out there that reviewed the album. There was a, I don't know if it's even a web, I'm assuming it's a website uh, called Pop Matters. They gave it a seven out of 10. Uh, most of the time, from what I saw, critics had an issue with the fact that the album wasn't, too slow and the album wasn't too fast it was sort of the goldilocks problem where they had an issue with the albums like being all in the mid-range they wanted some like big bangers and some 
down-tempo stuff. They felt like the album kind of sat in the middle there on the fence. I think that's my, I think that's my issue with it, to be honest. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can, I can see that. I would, I would agree with that a little bit. Yeah. So either way, I mean, I mean, the critics were, were okay with it. I think they were, they were generous. I think that they just, they know what they're getting when you have a Kelly Clarkson album, you know, you're going to get a very good vocal performance. And so they, they gave her a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Um, this album is in terms of the promotions for it. You know, she did a lot of TV. We're not, we're not going to go into everything, but she also did a couple of like more unique promo things in New York. Yeah. Uh, the first one was a puzzle piece scavenger hunt throughout, uh, basically throughout Midtown in New York City. Um, I was not there. I was very upset when this got announced because I was on vacation. I know. Pam, you're on vacation. Oh, no. I know. Rough life. I know. But I was like, oh, my God. Well, no, <laughs> the fact that like, you live in New York or at the time you lived in New York City and there is this whole like. <laughs> scavenger hunt going on around the city to promote the album and you're not in town no. I, mean, I would have been i'd have been sick <laughs> i was so sad um basically the premise i hope i don't have this wrong our friend nicole was there um basically it was like you had to like th- there was like clues on twitter i think and you had to like f- follow the clues to basically find a puzzle piece like it was basically like some rca rep or intern or whoever was there with like a giant puzzle piece and you had to like you had to be the first person to find the puzzle piece and they had a few of them so there were a couple of winners i don't know how many but there weren't a ton and if you found if you were the first person to find the puzzle piece you were invited to a listening party and you had to meet kelly there so very cool concept it was not a lot of people um i don't know the exact amount but it was like it was very small and really cool you got to hear the album before most people in the world did so very cool idea i was so jealous watching this from afar because knowing full well that it was only going to be in new york city and then knowing uh or knowing of a lot of the new york contingent of kelly fans it was kind of fun to to watch them all scurrying about the city (laughs) and uh you know people from other cities were helping them and and alerting them when clues came down and you know Rushing, I mean, it was it was a fun kind of unique thing. Uh, again, I mean, I understand that that's not a, a super feasible thing to be able to do outside of one city, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Even though you know I couldn't participate in it, um, and you know, props to everybody who uh, who got to participate and uh, take part in the the little private shenanigans that went on. That was that looked like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, the other thing that she did, which I did get to go to which i was very excited was um iHeartRadio has this little theater in like one of their corporate offices in tribeca and it's like a 200 capacity venue it's very very small mm-hmm. they don't like sell tickets for shows there it's only like promotional so she actually did something there back during the um all all i ever wanted era like the two, summer of 2009 she did a show there and 2009 she played a full set it was a full hour and it was wonderful this time around like i was expecting the same thing um she did about three or four songs so it was definitely not a full set but it was a a lot of fun but this time she did like a little mini interview on stage and she previewed a couple of the new songs as well and it was um it was probably a few days before the album came out so they were playing like i remember them playing piece by piece on the loudspeaker 
and I hadn't heard this song yet. I'm like, oh, what is this? Like, I had heard people talking <laughs> about it. Obviously, I knew the 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 album name at that point, but uh, the song hadn't come out yet. So it was a very cool opportunity for 200 fans to go, and it was, you know, you had to like call in or you know do some contests to win, and I got it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it would be cool if she did that again. I have no idea if she would, but very cool opportunity. So. Um, hoping for this new album, whatever it is, she's able to go to other cities as well, like they did on the Kellyoki bus tour. So that, you know, like, I always do feel a little guilt that a lot of the promos usually in New York or LA. So I'm very happy yeah. for Kellyoki. They were able to hit up, um, a couple of other cities. And I hope that they keep that momentum up so that more fans have the opportunity to do these cool things. So. Hope so well as well. Um, hopefully they make them a little more nationwide, yeah. <laughs> not so much uh, uh, the uh, just the New York area or the L.A. area. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so I think it's time for us to go into the track listing. That's right. All right. Uh, the very first song was the very first single that came out in January of 2015. It is Heartbeat song, um, written by Cara Diaguardi, who's written a bunch for Kelly, along with Jason Evigan. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, mm -hmm. Audra May and Mitch Allen, and it was produced by Jason and Greg Kirsten. We love to see Greg Kirsten show up on albums, and uh, we all, we're also going to talk a lot about Jesse Shatkin, who still works a lot with Kelly. Worked on the Christmas record. And uh, essentially, along with Jason, are the producers of note for the new album. Uh, Jesse Shatkin originally worked with Greg Kirsten. So Jesse kind of learned from Greg a lot of what he knows. And so this is it's kind of interesting because I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is sort of the, the last time that Kelly really works heavily with Greg Kirsten, who she you know has history all the way back to the Breakaway album. And this is sort of the beginning of when she really starts to work a lot with Jesse. And so to see the two of them sort of overlapping on this album, I think, I, again, this is another reason why I wanted to go back and re-listen to this album because I really like a lot of Jesse's work. I really like uh, Greg's work. And then you add in, you know, Jason to the mix as well, who's at this point, his producing chops were were only getting better and better. And I think that's part of the reason why this album really did grow on me. Yeah. This song, like, I remember when this came out, Kelly me like, it was very, she, she did a lot of, like, promo for the song, talking a lot about how this was River's favorite song. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I wonder if it, if, you know, River didn't, if River was whatever about it, if this would have been a single, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely mean that. I don't know. This yeah. song. How do I explain this? I think it's really fun. I think it's very well done producing wise, but lyrically, I'm like, huh? Like, I, I lyrically, I think it's not meant for. It's just it's not like clever lyrics. I just think it's a little silly, and I think it's like a cute song, but it's just like there's not a lot of substance to it. It's just like a fun pop song, which there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I don't know for a lead single for someone who's this far into her career. Lyrically, it's a very simple song. Yeah. Let's say that. We'll say simple. Fine. <laughs> yes. Um, I agree. Um, you know, it, it's, 
this is not among my favorites when it comes to lead singles, but it's still a good song. It's still a fun song. It's got a great hook to it. And we found out later that in the music video, which we'll talk about the videos later on in the, uh, in the show, the, uh, the actual heartbeat that we hear at the beginning of the music video is River's Heartbeat. And it's not included in the actual song itself, but nonetheless, uh, it was included in the video. And then when Kelly was first teasing the song, she was putting out these little short videos on social media, and it was of River in the studio, you know, with her little, like, stocking cap on and big headphones on, and she was kind of wobbling around to the, to the beat of the song, or at least a little clip of it. And... It was a cute way to sort of start the the promotion of this particular song and and really the album as well. Yeah, like again, like it was definitely cute, and I'm glad like there was that like they incorporated River into this because that was obviously a big, you know, a big part of it. But taking that whole element out and just focusing on the song itself, that's why that's where I'm like, oh, it's a lot of fun, it's cute, and it's like upbeat, but it's like at the same time, I'm like, it's just like. It, it it backs up my thing about how a lot of people who are surprised by, oh my God, Kelly Clarkson is like the, like a really great singer. Like this is a song that's not going to showcase her artistic ability. You know what I mean? Okay. Does that make yeah, sense? Okay. Like it's, it's a fun yeah. song, but it's not like anything out of this world. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh my God, this sucks. That's not where I'm getting at. I will sing along to it. It's fun. I will listen to it, but it's just like cutesy i don't know yeah uh Uh, it also it also has the distinction of being the first song in kelly's catalog uh to start an album with a cold what's called a cold intro and that is what we it's uh, an intro where they immediately start singing at the very beginning this is actually the first album that that happens uh so as a radio guy that's a little nugget that i sort of get into and enjoy knowing about uh but she would also uh go on essentially we could count Love So Soft as well as a cold intro when Meaning yeah. of Life came out. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, this uh, this song always, oddly enough, when I listen to the album, sometimes I skip over this song. I just skip right by yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That kind of backs up my my point. Kelly also said that she thought that maybe the song could have fit on Stronger uh, but ultimately, she believes it is a bridge between the two albums. And you have to remember that even though there were only three years separation between the uh, Stronger album and, or actually four years, four years separation between Stronger and Piece by Piece, there were two other albums yeah. in between with Greatest Hits and Wrapped in Red. So Kelly is actually looking at Harpy's song to remind people more about stronger than it did about any of the previous uh, projects before it Mm -hmm. all right the next song is was the second single it is invincible uh it was written by sia jesse shacken uh steven mostin and warren oak felder um i believe sia did background vocals on this song and uh it was the second single from the album but the last one that was recorded for the album um Sia didn't really get any credit as background vocals. And honestly, I don't think Kelly 
needed Sia's like Sia for promotional, but I felt like this was such a missed opportunity to let the public know that this was kind of a Kelly Sia collaboration. It really, I felt it really could have been like a invincible featuring Sia sort of thing. And again, not that Kelly needs Sia in order to like promote her own stuff by any means, but I thought this could have done a lot better commercially had, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a, I don't know, in my opinion, it's a really good song. And it it didn't it didn't get the credit it deserved in my opinion it didn't get the promotion it got it deserved by any means and i i i really thought it was a missed opportunity i thought i think the song is all right i i don't think because it was also the second single from the album i think the song is good i don't know if it was single worthy i mean and and i'll go ahead and say this is my selection for song that i would take back as a single Um, And I think I've talked about this in, in our, in our take back episode that we did, you know, this one just doesn't do it for me single wise. It's, it's a fine song. It's a good album track, Yeah. but for me, it doesn't, it doesn't check all the boxes when it comes to being a single. So I don't know what it is about this song, whether it is the, the Sia uh, factor of it all that made them want to put this on the album or make it a single rather, but for me, it's just there are other better songs that could have really helped the album, and this this one wasn't it. Yeah, you know, I can go either way. I I, I would either say make it a make it like the third or fourth single, and men, and mention Sia, you know, featuring Sia, or have it as a early on um, album track, not number two, but like a little bit lower in the 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 track listing, but. I remember when we got a clip of this as like a preview before the album came out and I just remember, I don't know which part of the song they included, but I remember it was like a very big vocal part and I remember everyone was freaking out about it online. And then when, Mm -hmm. when the song came out, everyone was like, Oh, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Um, so I don't know. I always go back and forth on this song. I really love it, but I, there is also that thing about like, it has like the run, run, run factor. I feel like it's really good, but it's also like something slightly missing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, and I think also that was another reason why so many people were surprised when Kelly announced her Vegas residency in 2019. Oh my God, yeah. That, that they named it this, they named it Invincible. They named it after this song. And we were just like, okay, but why? Like, why of all, <laughs> of all the songs? Of all, all the songs you named your Vegas residency after this, after a song now, that's four years old that wasn't even a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so that was a big head scratcher for a lot of people, myself included. So yeah, what a that was a a head scratching uh, decision. But again, I mean Kelly might. I mean we never we never got to see the original Vegas residency, so maybe Kelly had something in mind with an invincible theme that we just never got to see play out on stage. So it's just going to be one of those long unanswered questions. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Next song track. Number three is someone, uh, this was written by Matthew Coma who happens to be Hillary Duff's husband. Fun fact. Um, and it was produced by Jason and Greg Kirsten. I love this song. 
This is a good song. I like it as well. As far as uh, Matthew Coma, the writer of the song, he is on record saying that it is a non-apology apology song. And this is one of those songs that really kind of grew on me when I first heard it initially in my first year or so listening to the album. This was not one of my favorite songs. This was a skip for me. But then I went back, revisited the song, and realized I really liked this song a lot. I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I always liked it, but I would say in the last year or two, um, I guess also it's kind of resonated with me personally, but, like, even the um, the melody and the production, it's really resonated with me a bit more And I in the last, like, I don't know, two years. So, and mm-hmm. I, and it's... This was also a song I was not expecting her to do on Kelly for the Casey Classic. Yes. Um, and it's funny. I remember Jessie was talking to us and she had said that this was one of her favorite Kelly songs ever. And I was like, wow, that's such a cool answer that I would have never expected anyone to say. It's really good. And I this was definitely like a, sl- a slow grow for me, but mm-hmm. really great. And I mean, I I can't say we're going to ever really hear this much live I don't think she even performed this during the tour at all, which I think that was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity. But um, I'm, I mean, the fact that we got in Kelly Oki recently, I think that's really cool. So who knows? Maybe this could be like another like random medley song we get down the line. I do love that she did do this song for a Kelly Oki because it is one of those songs that like we like. I think most people forgot about, honestly. Me included. Me included. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm just looking up right now to see if she ever, and no, there are no stats for her ever performing uh, someone at all on tour. So I think, again, that made it even more surprising when it showed up as the Kelly Oki. And uh, I, like I said, it's a song that took me a while to come around to but i'm glad that it finally did sort of like show itself if you will um to me and it's it's now one of my favorite songs on the album yeah absolutely next song is take you high uh written by jesse shackin and maureen mozella mcdonald um this was i guess kelly's like one of her first or really the first uh she like dabbled a little bit in the electronic music uh, area, and I think I went on record like a week or two ago saying that like I hate I don't hate that's a, that is a strong word. Some of the crazy dubstep stuff makes me really nervous. I do like like dance music, like don't get me wrong, but like mm-hmm. this I actually I love the song, and I think it's because a lot of the electronic elements are actually her voice. It's a very yeah. cool thing. Um, I I just think it's it was very well done they have it they i love how they incorporate like strings yet make it instrument make it um electronic it was very cool hearing this live on the piece by piece store and how they incorporated um when when uh doves cry yeah this one had to have been and and this one i mean i wish we could have talked more to rachel about this because i mean piece by piece was her first tour that she was out with kelly and to to pull this song off on tour had to have been a little more diff. Yeah. A little more difficult uh, than your average song where it's just the band playing and, you know, Jason just sort of handling regular duties on, on the uh, keyboard. But uh, I have to admit, this is another one of the songs where when I first heard it, I thought, 
who does she think she is? <laughs> like, you know, I I was very confused by this song when I first heard it because I thought, oh man, she's she's trying out all the different like tropes now to see what sticks. You know, is this you know sort of the new direction she's going into? Is she gonna try to be like you know dance club D- diva? Um, you know, because and we haven't even talked about it yet, but the aesthetic, if you will, of Kelly during this album when we got the uh, sort of uh, side shave uh, in the head. Uh. Um, you know, I, just, I was really trying to figure out, like, okay, what, like, direction is Clarkson going with this? Because this is a this is definitely a new direction. But this is one of the songs that, I mean, it's it's not one of my favorites off the album, but I have definitely grown to like it more than I did before. And that's sort of a theme that you're going to hear from me throughout this episode is, oh, I didn't really care for it to be at the beginning, but I have grown to like the song. Uh, this is one of them that I've grown to like. I I. I would be interested to hear this song in the hands of a more seasoned electronic producer, if you will. Um, You know, nothing against uh, Jesse Shatkin. I think his producing is fantastic. But when it comes to electronic music, I think I would have wanted to hear this elsewhere from in, in somebody else's hands. Yeah, I I'm very curious. We'll never know. I'm very curious if this was released as a single, how it would have done. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There was there was the remix done of it um, that was intended to be like put out there, like in like clubs and stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I need to. I, I need to spend time. I feel time like with it could go either way. I feel like it could have done actually really really well, or it could have been like a complete failure at radio because there's like what is kelly clarkson doing i don't know it could it people could have been like oh my god this is really cool or yeah. it will never know i love this song um which is surprising for me like i'm surprised i like this but it's i think it's, it's such a it's such a unique song for her and that's what i love mm-hmm. about it it really stands out whether you like it or not it stands out <laughs> so <laughs> anyway but i i think I think a problem I have with this album is the track listing because things are not cohesive in terms of like the sound. Um, next song is Piece by Piece. Um, a lot of people probably forget the original version, um, rightfully so. But this is written by Kelly and Greg Kirsten. Um, she calls it the most personal song on the album. And a lot of fans have kind of compared it as like or said it's like the sequel to Because of You. You know, it's definitely that yep. like that like story arc. Piece by piece is definitely the biggest hit off of the album. Uh, I know that Heartbeat Song did very well for itself as well, but and I think when we we're gonna have to probably try to figure this out here, Pam, because when we talk about piece by piece, the single, it's they tried to release piece by piece the original version, and it went nowhere. It totally stiffed at radio. Then they put out the idol version and it went absolutely crazy. But but there was a third version that went out, which like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the music video and sometimes what you heard on the radio was a third version. It was this like boring remix version. Like they try to take the original and make it like a little bit more like dubby, not dubby, but like beat heavy. I don't know. It was not mm-hmm. it, but they, they they brought the drums up in it. Which I'm going to say, the original album version, like track five, the original one that we heard, I adore it. 
I know like a yeah. lot of people are like, ah, it's fine, whatever. I love how drum heavy it is and I love the beat and I I don't wanna I don't wanna get like so much shame for this, but like I will listen to this version over the idol version any day. I love the Interesting. I love the idol version. I think it is incredibly well done. It has so much more emotion and there's not a lot of production on it, which I do appreciate, but I feel like I have to I can only listen to the idol version when I'm in the mood, when it's like in when I'm in like my feels. But the the album version, it's just so beat heavy and it's just like it makes me happy even though the like the mm-hmm. lyrics, I mean the lyrics are sad, but then they're also kind of uplifting, so I don't feel bad about like rocking out to it. Um, it's a very weird song if you think about it, because there's so many versions, and it's it's just a lot of moods. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, yeah. They 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 really encompassed every mood. You got your pop version, your uh, I guess I don't want to say acoustic, but like ballad version, and then you got a dance version. <laughs> they went all over the map yeah. with it, and I don't really know where they were trying to get with it, but. I like the idol version and I like the the album one, but it really it's just dependent on my mood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is such a strange lifetime for a song yeah. because two different versions and, and to an extent a third version, but two different versions of the song got to live as a single. And, you know, like I said before, the the album version didn't really go very far. I think it, it was like the top, maybe even, I don't even know if it made top 30 on the charts. Um, and it, cause it was released near the end of 2015, if I remember correctly. And then she goes on idol in February, performs the song broken down acoustic shows all the emotion has the viral moment. And then that version of the song comes out and it becomes another top 10 hit for her. So, this is such a unique lifespan for one particular song that there's there's not a lot of precedence for it. There's not a lot to compare it to because this doesn't happen this way, you know? So this is a this is an odd song to try to talk about its lifespan because you've got multiple versions that you're dealing with. But ultimately what we do know is that the genesis of the song, first of all, you know, we know it was written primarily by Kelly, but Greg Kirsten jumps in as well. Uh, it's it's based off of a conversation that Kelly has with her sister Alyssa, just talking about their life and, and where it is in this day, um, today. And Kelly doesn't necessarily look at it for the sadness of it all as far as, you know, talking about the sad parts of like what Because of You is about, but talking about how more lucky she is at this point when she records this song of how lucky she is in this point of her life that she has now what she didn't have as a kid. And she always says that that was the reason why she always got so upset about singing the song, not because it made her sad, but because it made her so happy and so grateful for what not only she, but what her kids had at this point in their lives. And, you know, obviously we know that there was, um, there was so much difficulty for her to sing this song on not even on tour on TV. I mean, anytime she tried to sing this song, it was a difficult thing for her. And and I think it almost became endearing that she couldn't make it through the song. And I think we, we were even, it was sort of a, a piece by piece watch on the tour where they were waiting for the one night. She finally got through the whole song without breaking down. 
And I think I do remember it did happen at one point and like it was a whole thing. Um, but either way, it was just it's just the most unique story of this entire album because it is a song that had multiple lives. And it's just it's a it's an interest. I mean, it's I think it's it's like it's worthy of a chapter in Kelly's biography someday because it is such an interesting story about one particular song. And, you know, and I've, and I've mentioned this story in previous episodes of the podcast about when Kelly was first promoting the album and she was talking about some of the songs and she put out like just some of the lyrics on social media, not, you know, even this is before any snippets came out or anything. She just put out some lyrics and she had fans, you know, react to some of those things. And, she and I got to have a back and forth. And, and I think another reason why that this song means a lot to me is because my son is roughly like, I don't know, six months younger or so than river is. And so I was becoming a dad right around the time that this album was out. And, um, I, at the time when the album came out, I, I had had, my son was like five or six months old. And so I've got a newborn at home. I'm just becoming and learning how to be a dad and I'm hearing all these songs that she has written. And some of them, while they're not blatantly about becoming a parent, this one in particular is very much like parent focused. And I think that's one of the reasons why it resonated with me so much more. And, you know, again, I've told the story in the past. You can go back and listen to other episodes about, you know, Kelly acknowledging that my son at the time was on the way and, um, you know, it's 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 still a song that means a lot to me as a fan, no matter the version. That's a great way to put it. Um, do you have any other comments on Piece by Piece, the song? No, and uh, it, it's this is one of those moments where it's a weird transition <laughs> exactly. because because we have we we go from one song where we have so much to say about and it, so much love, <laughs> and so much love and affection for. To the next song on the album, which, and with apologies to Kelly and to John, the song has kind of become a punchline a little bit. We've sort of made it the example for a song that we had really high expectations for. It is Run, Run, Run featuring John Legend. Um, it was written by Tim James and Tony. Is that a typo? And Antonina? Antonina? Antonina. Antonina. Okay. I thought it was going to be like Antonia. Um, Armado. Jokem. Joke. <laughs> Can I read? Uh, I don't. <laughs> apparently, I don't know how to read. Uh, person, Rye Cumming, and David Joss. Now, this was actually a song by the band Tokyo Hotel. And Kelly didn't know this until her version was out. And there was a little bit. Of, I remember there was a little bit of controversy among Tokyo Hotel fans. Um, I don't really remember what the drama was. I don't know if it was like, oh, Kelly stole their song or her version yeah. sucks or whatever. Not important, but um, this version, well, at Kelly's version, was produced by Jason um, and Miles. Miles McPherson, her old drummer, played drums on this, which was really exciting. I love that, too, because uh, later on in the album, we're going to get uh, some of our first appearances by Lester on Kelly's albums. And it was kind of a it was kind of a neat thing to see both Miles and Lester on the same album. It was almost like handing off. Uh, you know, the the drumsticks from <laughs> from one to the other uh, in Kelly's band. And so I, I loved when I saw that Miles had played on this song, uh, even though the song itself doesn't really need a ton of drumming per se. Uh, it's still nice to see that Miles played uh, on Kelly's record. 
Yeah, so Kelly um, recorded this, um, her part during the Honda Civic Tour in 2013, and she eventually asked John. They had met uh, the year prior on duets, and Mm -hmm. um, she later asked him if he would sing on the song with her. Yeah, and it took very little convincing for him to to sing with her. So, um, you know, I know that when a lot of us saw this song, we thought, oh, my God, this is awesome. Because this is like, you know, again, the mid-2010s. So this is when John Legend has kind of become a big thing. He's become a big name. He was a Grammy darling when he first sort of hit the scene. And we're like, oh, my gosh, Kelly Clarkson and John Legend together on one song. Holy crap, this is going to be incredible. And then the song kind of, well, not even kind of, the song is lackluster. And I'm not blaming Kelly on that. Quite honestly, I think my biggest problem is is the lyrics. I have an issue with the writing of the song, and so I'm going to put that solely on Tokyo Hotel. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to blame Kelly and John because I know for a fact they have the ability and the capability to put out an incredible duet together. This was not it. Um, I don't know if this was just bad song choice or or what it was, but the song builds nicely. It's got a really nice crescendo at the end. I really like when they, you know, they kind of come together at the end of the song. It's just, it's the lyrics, Pam. The lyrics for this song just fall flat for me. Yeah, the lyrics are kind of forgettable. I think, like, Jason did a really good job producing this. Like, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like musically it's beautiful like all the different layers and the instruments like it sounds really good yeah so i think a little bit's the lyrics and i also i don't know i I don't know if it's the melody which again is this is i guess technically a cover i guess a little bit of the melody it's just the the build-up isn't as big as it should have been like i think it could have been a lot bigger and it's also very much you can tell that they recorded this separately like you can Mm -hmm. tell i don't know it's one of those so i i I can't exactly pinpoint what it is but you're right something is just off and i think a lot of people feel that way i also think a lot of times it's the tempo for me i I understand the tempo I understand that John Legend is more of a, a soul singer and he does, you know, his songs are not all the most up-tempo things, but I feel like this, this pairing could do a song that has a little bit more tempo to it than this. It's just, it's almost just a little too slow for me. Maybe that's what always like throws me off about it, but something I did learn about this song that shocked me and i didn't even know this until we did our research for this episode in a roundabout small way this is somewhat of a disney song what i know so there's a guy who is very very well known uh who works for walt disney studios his name is booker white and he he's sort of the head of music preparation now what does that mean i don't have the slightest clue (laughs) However, he works with a lot of music for Disney films. Uh, he's done the, uh, he worked under uh, the, the new Lion King live action movie. He worked on the Aladdin live action. He's done a lot of Disney movies. And he also did some of the music preparation for not only this song, Run, 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 
but also later on the album for Tightrope. That makes sense. So there, that, that makes so sense. there is a like a Disney sort of flair to this song. I mean, it's it's probably not very noticeable to the average listener, but next time you're listening, try to try to put the vocals out of your head and just listen to the music of a song and first of all, completely changes how you listen to a song. And second of all, I think you might pick up, you know, a little bit of the the orchestration in in the background. That makes sense cuz Run 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 and Tightrope are both very like epic sounding. Mm-hmm. So arguably they kind of sound a little bit like a score-ish, you know. So I uh-huh. I definitely now that you mention it, I definitely hear that. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. I I think I had said this a few weeks ago, like when we did our featuring Kelly Clarkson episode, like we have this song, we have uh, Baby It's Cold Outside with with John, and they're both like meh to me. I think the third time's the charm. I don't know what it's going to be, but the third time that Kelly and John do a song together on an album, I think that will be the, the winner. <laughs> I'm hoping. Just... Just give us some tempo, man. That's all we ask. All we want is some tempo. (laughs) All right. The next song is I Had a Dream, written by Kelly and Greg Kirsten. Um, So my thoughts on this song, because a lot of people are like, this is a very like polarizing song. Mm -hmm. I love the melody. I love the production. I love the song itself. I think it's so good. I think it's so good. I appreciate the message she's trying to to convey and i know the intent that she had but it's it comes across as being a little preachy and i think that's what rubs a lot of fans the wrong way and we've i've heard it from yeah a, I get I've, that. I've heard it from a lot of fans before um i still would would have loved and i've said this a thousand times on here i would have loved to hear this once once live and that would have even if it just was on tv or something because I think this mm-hmm. could have been a really cool, epic-sounding song with like a big, like choir or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you think? It's a big, sweeping song, and I and I do like that about it. Um, again, another song that I sort of kind of wrinkled my nose at when the album first came out, but then later on, I've learned to like this song more. Uh, this song is again sort of like someone for me where it's not my favorite on the album but it's still a a much actually maybe i'm thinking of invincible either either way didn't like the song as much when i first heard it it is not my favorite on the album but it is much higher on my list than it was before uh it's just a it's a very like i mean polarizing is right i get that um i really love the line i had a dream that we were more I I like the concept she's going for. Um, This is, it has all of the appearances of just an album song. Oh yeah. You know, just a, just another song that's filler on the album. I don't like to call songs filler because people work very hard on songs only to have them called filler. And that's not what they are. But um, you know, this one is, man, this is a tough one. Because I like the song. I do. I don't have a ton to say about it. It's just one of those songs where I'm like, yeah, I liked that. But it doesn't elicit like a lot of feelings from me. Like if this song is a message song and it's trying to inspire people, I think it kind of misses the mark a little bit. 
I don't think it like you don't listen to that song and you're like, let's go change the world. Like, I don't have that feeling from it. Um, it's sort of like the song that wants to change the world, but it's going to wait and see what everybody else does first. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next song is actually the one that I think is like the epitome of like an album track. Interesting. Yeah. It is like, let your tears fall written by Sia and Greg Kirsten. It was the first song apparently recorded for the album and she recorded it while she was on tour with Maroon five. Um, yeah, I think it's like really well produced and it's a nice message, but I think it's like incredibly forgettable. This sounds like a Sia song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like I didn't necessarily think um, earlier in the album when we do when we have Invincible, I didn't think that Invincible sounded like a song that Sia would sing. This one does for me, at least like pre you know, pre chandelier, pre pop success Sia. Yeah. Another thing I, I like about this song is that there are, and, and really for this whole album, there is a lot of usage of Kelly in the background, a lot of layering of Kelly herself, because there is not a lot of credited background vocals on piece by piece, the album. And, there was the case with Invincible that we know that Sia is in the background. There's a chance she could be in the background of this one as as well because there is a lot on this particular song. But a lot of it is likely just Kelly. Um, but I just wonder if, if Sia is back there as well because this song in particular uses a lot of background vocals uh, to support Kelly herself. So an interesting thing. I'm just wondering because normally we see a lot of background vocal credits on albums. There's not very much on this interesting. one. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next song is a fan favorite. This was definitely, I hate to admit it. This was a slow grow for me. Um, this is tightrope mm -hmm. written by Kelly and Greg Kirsten. And, um, I love it. I think it's beautiful. I think it has incredible lyrics, very vulnerable. Um, and while it is a fan favorite, I still feel like it's very overlooked. M yeah. Myself included. Like, I forget about it a lot. It's definitely not a ballad I think of. Um, but it's definitely grown on me over the years. Yeah. And props to Greg Kirsten because uh, all of the orchestral stuff in the background of the song is all him. Um, Greg Kirsten and, and also his sort of protege, Jesse Shatkin, um, they are very well known for when they produce a song, they perform everything on the song. So guitar, programming, keys, drums, everything is Greg Kirsten. And so, and, and Jesse does the same thing. And so I, I really like it in the album version and I completely understand why people love it on tour because it's broken down even further. So they, all the orchestral stuff is left alone and it's just Kelly and Jason with a piano. And it's a really, really great version on tour. And I'm glad that when they put the, uh, the remix album out, they did add the live song with just Kelly and Jason. So I like the live version, but I do still really like the album version as well. Uh, again, like Pam said, slow grow for me too. Um, 
this was one of those songs that I sort of forgot about, honestly, until it got performed on tour. And then I thought, is that on the album? Is that like a cover? Like, what is she singing? And then had to go back and be like, oh, it's just a completely different version on the album. So now this is is one of my favorites. I don't know which version I prefer. Um, like, I love the orchestral elements. I really do. I think it really brings like gives it like a, a brand new life. The tour version is, as you said, like a lot more stripped down. And I love the vocals she does on it, especially towards the end. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I like really prefer one over the other. I think they're both just really, really good. And yeah. kind of like piece by piece, like, a lot of it is going to depend on like what I'm in the mood for. But this is definitely not <laughs> as like, this is not as, I don't, I don't know why I'm using the word polarizing. That's not really the right word. Um, but like. The two versions of Tightrope are not nearly as different as like the multiple versions of Piece by Piece. I think that's where I'm getting at. Right. But yeah, I love the song. For I love sure. Song. Yeah. I'm starting to notice too, uh, before we go to the next song, I'm starting to notice, Pam, you, you remember how we talk about the Meaning of Life album and how for a lot of people, and, and specifically me for sure, that it's sort of a, a side A and a side B album. And a lot of people like the side A of meaning of life more so than the second half of the album for me piece by piece even though yes i understand that it was put on four lps just (laughs) go with me here piece by piece for me is a side b album i love and, and i'm talking specifically about the the deluxe version i love the back half of this album way more than I love the first half of this album. I love the deluxe songs more than I like most of the main album. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Um, yeah. All right. Next song is War Paint. This was written by Julia Michaels, um, Jolene Bell, and Nolan Lambrosa, and produced by Jason Halbert. First time we learned in our interview with Rachel Orsher, this was the first time that Rachel worked on an album for Kelly, which I thought was really, really exciting. Yes. Really exciting. And uh, yeah, th- this is this is probably the most like uh, homegrown song yes. on the entire album. Yes, this was uh, some My Banyal appearances there. We got Lester on the drums and guitar by uh, Aben. Yes. I don't love the lyrics to the song. I think they're meh. But I love the production. And I now that I know what programming is, I, I love the programming on this. I think they did a killer 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 job and i love the really heavy drums and the really heavy beats on it um mm-hmm. they should have they should have performed this more on the piece by piece tour um they performed it twice and i guess i saw it twice but like they should have done it a lot more i think this would have been really really fun and like a really cool like crowd pleaser even for people who don't know this song i love this song it, i absolutely love this song um this and i don't know maybe it's just my 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 mind knew that it was a jason production and aben on the guitar and lester on the drums maybe that's my subconscious just feeling comfortable with a song but i loved this song when i first heard it i just think that it's such a great tune it's it's sort of uh it sort of is the the song equivalent to some of the visuals that came out for the piece by piece album. Cause I don't know if you remember on the tour, 
she offered a couple of different posters and there were some different photos that were out there promotionally for this album. And there's one where she's got kind of the wild haircut and then she's got this like paint all over her face. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh wow. That's like total, like that's like, that's war paint. Like that's your war paint photo right there. And I just, I love this song. I think it's so great. Um, It's, it kind of, it reminds me that once I get through sort of, you know, the emotions of tightrope, War paint is my permission to turn the radio up louder because I know that we've got like three banger songs all on the way and war paint is the first of them. It's a lot of fun. The next song I want you to introduce because I know you adore the song. This is my vote. And Pam, we haven't heard from you yet on this for the album, but this is my vote for should have been a single. I've said this over and over again on the podcast that dance with me should have been a single if nothing else, it should have been a club hit. And so I, this is, I would argue might be my favorite song on the album. Might be, um, you know, I definitely am a big second wind fan, but I, I love dance with me. Uh, it was written by Dan rocket and he actually wrote this song with a duet between David Bowie and lady Gaga in mind. And I mean, if you just know David Bowie and Lady Gaga, then you know already what the vibe of this song is going to be. You know that it's going to be a big, like heavy hitting song. And I, I can't, man, I cannot like say enough nice things about this song. This, this song is just the biggest banger of a hit for me on this album. It is so much fun. And Kelly, even herself, I mean, and I think she knows that by conversing with Dan when he gave this song to her, he probably even said, hey, look, you know, I'm imagining this being for uh, David Bowie. She even said that it sounded like David Bowie meets you too. And she even said that she wants Pink, Lady Gaga and Jesse J, which, you know, speaks to the times uh, to sing it with she her. She tweeted it. Could you she imagine? It. Yeah. Yeah, I tweeted this out in like 2012. So this is four years before, roughly four years before the album is out. And she's already sitting on that song. So this is still in the midst of like stronger promotion. And she's already sitting on Dance With Me, knowing full well that it is going to be a banger of a song. And I just absolutely love it. And it has a little bit more special meaning as well because... Uh, the background vocalist on the song is uh, the late Nicole Hurst. And so it's it's awesome to have a song where it's just Nicole because Nicole so many times was paired um, with other background singers, including Jesse. Uh, but this is just Nicole and Kelly on this song. And I love it for that. Uh, we were actually supposed to get Dance With Me for the Greatest Hits album, which is the reason why Kelly had it back in 2012. So, um, thankfully they thought it was a little too much for the greatest hits album. So they held on to it and thankfully put it out on piece by piece. Uh, Kelly said that she didn't put it on greatest hits because it was too progressive. I don't quite understand what she means by that. I don't know if she thought that it was a little too ahead of its time Mm -hmm. or maybe like, cause I just think it was a little, I don't think it necessarily fit. Like, I think the, the songs that they included, like the three songs they included, on 
the greatest hits, like the three new ones, Catch My Breath, People Like Us mm-hmm. and Don't Rush. I feel like those kind of fit the rest of her catalog. I feel like by Progressive, it just didn't really – it was just like a, it was just like a, like a newer sound for her. Yeah, That's maybe – and yeah, that could be very well be what it is because when I think of like a progressive sound for Kelly, I think that People Like Us was probably the most progressive-sounding yeah. song of those three songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I love this live. I thought it was super fun. And I'm really glad that she opened the piece by piece tour with it. And oh, I, so good. And I think the song itself, I I love the production. I think it was really well done. And I love the verses. I don't hate me. I usually skip this song. Um, I don't love the pre-chorus and I don't love the chorus or the bridge. Really, though, I really only like the verses because I feel like every other part <laughs> of the song is kind of in the same key and there's not a lot of growth like it doesn't fluctuate too much which is fine mm-hmm. you don't need it that's just my preference so i i like the song i don't love it it's fine i oh. i know i'm sorry i love the verses though like i think the verses are like really sexy and you can like picture yourself in like a club and like it's very like visual the rest of the song i'm not a fan of um sorry i'm sorry no, it's it's totally fine. I mean, that's music is subjective. Everybody has their opinions, and that's that's totally fine. I think for me, the I mean, it's the chorus for me that just hits so hard. It's the fact that the the drum hit hits right when she says dance, and with the word dance, you've got that hard D sound. So the lyric hitting at the same time the drum is hitting, those two together just it pops. And it just explodes into the chorus. I love that so much. And I'm like you. I I loved it live. I loved it as the opener for the Piece by Piece tour. It was just so much fun to see it performed live. And then they had the whole like effect with the giant mirror wall and all that. That was really cool too. Just a lot of little things that added to the performance of this song. And I just I wish they would have tried to put this out as a single because it is just such a great, fun, dancey song with very simple instruction. You know, <laughs> dance with me. Come on and dance with me. You know, I mean, it's it's very easy to follow that along. So I yeah, just I absolutely love this song so much. And like I said, this is among the, the sort of the trio of songs here that I just crank up. The next song was definitely a slow girl for me, but I really, I really like it now. It's nostalgic. It was written by uh, Justin Tranter, who's uh, from Semi Precious Weapons, Ryland Blackington from Cobra, Cobra Starship, Dan Keys from the band Young Love, and Vaughn Oliver. Um, produced by Jason and uh, another like electronicy kind of sounding tune. Um, mm-hmm. I. I get, yeah, it was definitely a slow grow. It's really fun, and I love the chorus. The chorus is so much, such a banger. I really yeah. enjoy it. I don't have a ton of notes on it. Um, I definitely do think, though, that this is a for sure album track. Like, I would not pick, I don't think I'd pick this as a single by any means, but really love it. And I remember the band saying that, like, they this was like a fan, this was a band favorite, which that says a lot. Yeah, and this song also features uh, Lester on the drums on the album version, and I'm like you. This was a slow grow for me when I first heard it. Didn't really think too much of it, but then there was there was just some point where 
I was listening through this album and if anyone knows me personally, I'm a very, I am an, I'm a nostalgic person. I love, you know, talking about the old days, the good old days, so to speak, cause I'm old and <laughs> I, uh, I very much love reminiscing with people. You know, I'm, you know, even to get a little more about me, like I'm that guy who is in charge of planning like the high school reunion. Like I'm just that I'm the go-to guy for that stuff. And so this song sort of like grew into almost like my theme song Ooh. question mark a little okay, bit. Okay. I mean, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't tell the world who I am, but I am very much a nostalgic person. And just hearing this song makes me think about, you know, back in the day when, you know, things were super, you know, fun and exciting and I was young and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to think about the right way to say it, but I just... It encapsulates, like, the feeling that you have. Yeah. I mean, even just, like, the first couple of lines, um, don't be sad that it's over, just be happy that it happened to us. Just even that line, you know, it, it makes you think, okay, you know, don't be sad because you can't go back and relive some of your favorite memories. Just be happy that you have that memory at all and that you can look back on it over and over again. And it just sort of, it just puts a smile on my face and I you know I I get nostalgic a lot. And so uh this song is uh just it's it's a high point for me on this album. Nice. The last song on the standard album. You know, we still have a few more for the deluxe, but the next one is the last one on the standard album. It is Good Goes the Bye. It was written by Shane McAnally, Natalie Hemby, who actually, well, Shane's worked on a bunch of stuff with, with Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalie Hemby, who worked on Don't Rush and would then work on I, I Dare You, and Jimmy Robbins. It was produced by Jason and Eric Olson. Eric's worked on some stuff with Kelly in the past. Yeah. Um. And I didn't realize that uh, the original demo was actually more of a country song, but then when they were working on this version, they got a lot of inspiration from the Eurythmics, which I don't really hear, but um, I'm going to get hate for this. This is by far my least favorite song on the album. I really don't like it. I will always skip it. Um, I think it's like a nice medley, but I hate the lyrics. <laughs> and like, I just think it's kind of corny. And I think the vocals for her are kind of meh here. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of progression. It's very like all very similar key throughout it just doesn't do anything for me i don't know i know a lot of people love this song and i'm so sorry that i'm i'm crapping on your fave but i just don't i don't get it you know shane mcanally specifically he's kind of a he's like a quirky lyric writer he writes quirky songs um that sort of don't fit into regular like lyrical vernacular I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, I mean, even the title of the song is is something that you would never say, No, you know? And so I, I sort of like the, I like the chorus of the song a lot um, because it, it is funny because it it paints an interesting picture, you know? Um, I can, I can, (laughs) I can easily follow along with the chorus. (laughs) Now, I like sort of the melody of the song 
because I like where she brings that note up at the end of each line. So, you know, I thought you hung the moon and you, she brings that note up. Um, it, it is a little on the cheesy end. And I will say that, you know, Shane McAnally kind of writes these kinds of songs. Uh, not every one of his songs. He does have some really, really great songs. Um, but a, a couple of them are sort of in this vein. Um, this has probably been the slowest grow of a song for me on this entire album. It is a bit of like a stomp on the brakes after you've had the three songs, you know, prior to it, when you've got war paint dance with me and nostalgic, all very big uptempo songs. And then we sort of hit the brakes at the very end of the album and be like, Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's our last song. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it, I would be interested to hear the, uh, country version of this because of course, Shane McAnally, um, and with the uh, respect to, to Natalie and Jimmy, Shane McAnally can write himself a country song. I mean, he writes really good country songs. So I want to hear what this would have sounded like had, you know, Jason and Kelly sort of not taken it more in a eighties Eurythmics kind of direction. Um, I'm with you. I also kind of don't really see the Eurythmics connection. I was really trying when I saw that that's sort of the inspiration they got. I was really trying to hear it. And I'm trying to, maybe I just don't know the Eurythmics as well as I thought I did. But this is, uh, for me, this is on the weaker end of the songs on the album. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now let's get into the deluxe. This is where the magic happens, people. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But this, I, I adore the these these next few tracks. They're my some of my favorites on the album. So it's really difficult that these are the deluxe and not like the, on the first half. But the confusing part about the deluxe version is that like what you see on streaming versus what you see on like the actual album is in a different order. So weird. It's very strange. Like on my Spotify, the last three songs are. Second Wind, Bad Reputation in the Blue. However, on the album, it's Bad Reputation in the Blue, Second Wind. So just bear with us, guys. Um, <laughs> anyway. So yeah. On uh, on Apple Music, it's it's in that order, too. Second Wind, Bad Reputation in the Blue, which is so weird. So strange. So if we had to choose, if I had to choose my absolute favorite song on this album, it would be the first deluxe song, Bad Reputation. I've said this a lot, and I'm sorry if you're hearing this for the billionth time. I freaking love this song. It's so good. It was There was a lot of writers on here. We got Kelly, Greg Kirsten, Kelly Sheehan, and Bonnie McKee, who has written a lot, a few songs for Kelly, including Alone. Um, it's just so soulful and so sassy and has a lot of attitude to it. And arguably, I think it's one of her best vocals on an album. It's a very different song than a lot. It's, you know, she doesn't usually go this soulful, you know. Um, uh -huh. So it's it's definitely a bit of like an, an outlier. So I do kind of get why maybe it was on the deluxe. But like, as far as quality goes, like, whew, this is so good. So good. <laughs> and I wish more people knew it. And I wish more people appreciated it. Um you know, and when 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 uh, when Kelly had said that she was going to be doing meaning a life a bit more like soul R and B vibes, I was expecting this, which we didn't get. 
that's why I still love Meaning of Life, but I was expecting a lot more in like this lane. Um, I don't know. I've spoken about the song so much, so I don't know how much more I can say, but just like some of the notes she hits are unreal. And I really would have loved to hear her, her hear her sing this at some point in my life. Like, it's just so good. This is where Jeremy's like, eh, it's fine. This song is fine. Ah! <laughs> Stop. It's, no, I, no I, I like this song. I mean, look, Piece by Piece as an album has some of the best bonus songs, uh, deluxe edition songs of any of Kelly's albums. They really are some of the best. Now, I... If there's any song that I am trying really, really hard to love, it's Bad Reputation. I like the song just fine. It gives me some, like, it gives me Beyonce vibes, especially in the very beginning. Definitely gives can, me full-on Beyonce. I can hear Love on Top. I uh-huh. I hear that. I can, okay, I got that. I was like, Beyonce? Yeah. Mm, not sure, but Love on Top. That's a good comparison, I think. Yeah. Um, there is something about this song that just like takes me out of it. And I don't know if it's the if it's the music of it all, if it's the melody. It's the whole like do 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 It's very like, it's different. The, it's very different. Yeah. It's like if the songs on from Justin to Kelly were good, it would be bad reputation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know? Uh... I mean like if they made a really really great song on that soundtrack, it would be bad reputation. The soundtrack you know? is wonderful, Jeremy. What are you talking about? I know, I know that I know <laughs> it's great. But the thing is, is that there's there's just something there's something about this song that just sounds sounds dated to me. And I cannot put my still after all these years, cannot put my oh, finger on it. It definitely sounds dated. Yeah. I like the song. Let me not make that more clear than possible. I like this song. There is just something about it that's keeping me from loving this song, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> you feel the same way that I feel about Dance With Me. That's kind of how <laughs> we're just going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> and that's, that's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. Uh, do you have any other comments on the song? No, I don't think so. I'm, like I said, I'm still really trying. I'm working really hard to like <laughs> find and get past whatever it is that, did me wrong about this particular song and hopefully I can, you know, stop thinking about it every time I hear it, but it is a good song and I do like it. I do turn it up when it plays, but there's just always this like nagging thought in the back of my head and I'm, I got to figure it out someday. All right. Keep me posted. <laughs> Will do. Um, the next song is in the blue. This is definitely a song that I admittedly forget about and I'm always like, Oh yeah, it's fine. And I skip it. And then when I actually do listen to it, I'm like, Pam, what the hell are you doing? This song's so good. Like, stop yeah. stop sleeping on it. It, it, it happens a lot. Um, she has incredible vocals on it. And um, I love how it has a ton of layers. Um, oh, I should probably mention the, the uh, credits. It was written by Kelly, Jesse Shackin, Angeli Persaud, and Francisca Hall. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah. I don't have a ton of notes, but like a lot of layers. She sounds really great on it and um, definitely slept on a lot. Yeah, it's it's certainly about, you know, somebody that the the songwriter remembers and they want to keep close, but also maybe they'll get them back eventually. And I really, really love the chorus of this song. I like how it how it hits when 
um, you know, she says that, you know, no, no matter, and then she kind of pauses where you are. Yeah. Um, I, I like how that hits. I like the sound of the, of the chorus quite a lot. This is a really pretty song. It's a very, very nice song. I understand why it was left to the deluxe edition. I think that it could have easily replaced some other songs totally. and been put on the proper album. But uh, this is this is a really, really pretty song. Um, I, I do get very, like, ethereal, like, floating in the clouds, you know, zooming by, you know, in the, in the sky, listening to this song. Yeah. Uh, I, I always like I always love hearing this song and and this is this is a one of the better ones of all deluxe songs. I love the part where it's like your voice is loud as thunder. Like I'm not going to pretend to sing it but like I it's really yeah. it's a cool part. I love the way that she sings on that. Um mm-hmm. the last but definitely not least song probably this Absolutely is not. such a fan favorite and no one knows why it's a deluxe song. No one. Nope. Is Second Wind, uh, written by Marin Morris, Shane McAnally, and Chris DiStefano, who worked on Let Me Down and Don't Be a Girl About It. Um, fun fact that I didn't know until Jeremy informed me that Chris, Shane, and uh, Marin sing background vocals on the song. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. Shane McAnally, Marin Morris doing the background vocals on this song, as well as uh, Chris DiStefano. Uh, who we've talked about in the past um, with uh, the Stronger album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This is such a good song. Like, it's a wonderful melody. It's very catchy. The lyrics are fun to sing. Um, this has my vote of should have been a single, should have been first half of the album. Um, definitely been a, definitely should not have been a deluxe no. song. Should have been on the album. No, I don't understand what the thought process was behind that. Um and it should have been performed at more shows. Like, this was just... And, like, Maren Morris was, like... She ended up punning it on her her uh, Hero album in 2016, I think. Was that her debut album? I think it was. Yeah, Hero. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she wasn't, like, super well-known at the time. Um, but, like, could have been, like, a massive, massive hit, I think. I really... It was just such yeah. a slept, slept on, like, opportunity. I don't know what they were thinking, but what a banger. The funny thing is, too, and and granted, I'm going off of the stats that you find on on setlist.fm, but Kelly has performed this song nearly as many times as Marin has, which I find funny, uh, especially considering that Marin, you know, had to tour that first record for quite a long time. The fact that she wouldn't necessarily be playing almost every song off of it surprises me, but I'm actually really glad because I got to see this song performed live on the Piece by Piece tour uh, when she played it in Minnesota, uh, she did play it more decently it like, amount, but not every show. But no, not every not every show. But I mean, it was she played it a good more than a dozen times. Which again, this is a bonus track, you know. And, and for all intents and purposes, it's the last song on the deluxe edition of her CD, and she was playing it in concert. So I think even that says something for just how good this song really is. And I love Kelly's version. I love Marin's version. Um, I had the chance to meet Marin once and that was what I talked to her about. I said, I love your song. Second wind that Kelly Clarkson recorded. I said, I love her version and I love your version too. Um, I hope we get to hear it tonight, which we didn't. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I have so much love for this song. I mean, that's why earlier when I was saying that Dance With Me, I was having a little bit of trouble fully declaring it my favorite song on the album just because I know that Second Wind is out there as well. And it's just such a good song. And I love Kelly's performance of it. Yep. Next thing we're going to talk about here about the Piece by Piece albums are the videos that were released from Piece by Piece. There were three of them. There was a video for Heartbeat Song, Invincible, and Piece by Piece. This was more of the sort of remix. The dance, of the, the dancey uh, version. Yeah. Um, so for Heartbeat Song, uh, this was directed by Mark Klasfeld. And in this one, it's it's a cute video. It was sort of the introduction to the album, so to speak. Um, you know, K- Kelly sort of in this, uh, the, the hues that they keep her in are very similar to the hues that they used on the single cover for piece by piece, or excuse me for heartbeat song. And then it's intertwined with shots of like all these different couples and like how they met. So you've got some couples who met walking their dog and one got like the wrong coffee with the wrong name on it or something. And it's all these like, you know, stereotypical ways that couples meet each other. And then you kind of see their respective relationships progressing uh as the the video moves along and then we see uh there's a, a couple of guys who show off their engagement or their wedding rings uh at the end of the video i don't necessarily get the symbolism that's shown in the video versus the lyrics of the song uh, i i always think about like and i think it's because of the 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 pre-promotion of the song when they showed the video of River listening to the song. I always think about River whenever I hear this Same. song because Kelly always talked about how it was her favorite song. Her heartbeat is used at the beginning of the video, like we said earlier in the show. And the promotional clips leading up to the release of the song all showed River listening to it. And so she is all who I can think about when I'm listening to this song. Uh, so I don't think about the imagery that's used in the video. I'm thinking about, oh, it's like, you know, how you feel about your kid or, you know, your first kid or whatever. Um, I mean, again, it's a nice video. Uh, the the storylines of the various couples meeting and beginning their relationship is cute. It's kind of nice to see the couples meeting and we don't have to go through like the part where they all fight and break up <laughs> and then they get back together. Like we just get to see the happy parts yeah. uh, of the relationships. It's, you know, Without getting too ahead of myself, I feel like most the videos for this album were pretty forgettable. Yeah, there's I mean, there's nothing like groundbreaking about the videos. They were uh, they were done, you know, pretty inexpensively, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The next one is Invincible, directed by. Oh, how do I how do you say his name? Why do I always get stuck Uh, with really hard names? (laughs) Alan. I don't even know how to say that. Alan with the last name starting with I. He also directs the piece by piece video. When I watch the Invincible video, it sort of makes it clear to me that they really wanted the Invincible song to be this big song of empowerment. Because when you're first watching the video, it's a little confusing because there's all these like floating boxes and you're like, what the hell's in the box? Like what's, I mean, I I get very like Brad Pitt in seven. And so I don't understand the whole symbolism of the boxes. Again, also, I'm a guy. So no, I don't understand the symbolism of the, of, okay, of, of the boxes so, either. So it, it sort of, you know, was I don't think it was necessarily talking to me. But then 
you know, we see there's someone inside these boxes and they're, they're like beating on the sides. You can, you know, see their silhouettes trying to, to, you know, break through. And then about halfway through the video, they finally like, you know, once the big sort of crescendo choruses hit near the end of the song, the boxes finally explode. And there are women inside these boxes of all different, uh, ethnicities and, you know, shapes and sizes. And it's clear that the symbolism, the metaphor is that these are women who have been kept in a box and they're breaking free and they want to, you know, be themselves and they are invincible. Yeah. And it took until I saw the video for this song to be like, oh, this is supposed to be a big empowerment song. And our hero, Kelly Clarkson, is the one who's sort of <laughs> leading the charge of of empowerment, you know. And, you know, she's sort of, you know, in the room, in the warehouse uh, where apparently they <laughs> felt they needed to be where, you know, this is where all the women break out. And now we are all one and we are singing this song and dancing together. Um, honestly, if that's what they actually meant for that song to be, it actually helps the cause because that is not what I picked up listening to the song. Again, I'm a guy, so maybe that's why. But at the same time. I feel like I understand the song a little bit better having actually seen the video. Yeah. Yeah. The last one is uh, the piece by piece song, but they did it with like the dance version. So it came out like, I think it came out before the idol version was released, yeah. but they, the, they had taken that dance song on the radio and we're trying to push that a little bit more. Um, it's in black and white, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, different choice uh, for videos to put it all in black and white. But at the same time, it's a very pretty video. Uh, Kelly, you know, looks great in anything. But, you know, in particular in black and white, she looks really, really good. And it's just sort of a, I don't know, I don't really see the theme in this video per se. Uh, you know, there is a little bit of symbolism with, you know, the, you know, the door uh, opening, you know, symbolizing somebody walking out the door or not walking out the door. Then you've got the little girl holding onto the teddy bear. I mean, there's there's clearly some symbolism towards the lyrics in the song. It doesn't really do a great job of sort of marrying it all together. There's, you know, some, you know, people floating, you know, reaching out for what looks like a shining star or some sort of orb in the sky. Maybe I'm missing again the symbolism of that. It doesn't seem to really match with the song. Um, so like you said, you know, not a really great trio of videos yeah. from this particular the album. Piece by piece one, the, I think the, the best part is the very end when river comes in and it's just a really cute moment, but yeah, other than that, it's very forgettable in my opinion. So yeah, not the best selection of videos as a whole though. Before we uh, finish up with our conversation about piece by piece, uh, I also like to talk a little bit about uh, the album art and the album packaging and some of the photos that went along with the album. I appreciate the album cover. I thought it was a cool concept with the kaleidoscope thing. I didn't love it, um, but I admire what like the, the thought process that went into it. It's probably my least favorite album cover of hers ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the photo shoot, we've definitely spoken. I think we had an episode about this a while ago about some of the photo shoots. Um, I think some of the photos are either very hit or miss. Some of them I'm like, what was the thought process? I like, and then some of it I was like, those are really cool. Like, as we mentioned, I like the whole war paint thing, that photo. There's a photo where she's wearing this like 
the top of it it's like has patches all over it. Uh-huh. And I like that. That's cool, but I don't know. I didn't love some of the colors that they used. Like, I don't know. And I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the shaved head and some of the dresses I didn't love. It was very hit or miss. Uh, yeah. So the piece by piece tour was the last tour that we were able to buy like Kelly posters. And so I, the last posters that I have are from this era. So I've got the weird, like war painty looking poster. And then I've got another poster where she's sort of standing there looking off to the side with like, you know, the whole half side shaved area. Um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a weird uh, design choice just for everything involved in this particular album. Um, I, I liked the sort of metallic shimmer that they put on the album. I thought that was kind of cool, at least on the, the booklet. Uh, I thought it was funny that we kind of went back to the, uh, the extreme close up of Kelly's eyeball, like they did on the back of the yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Only this time we get her left eye. Whereas on the Breakaway album, it's her right eye. I love how you noticed that. <laughs> I would have never picked well, up on that. See, I think at the end of at the end of her career, we're going to be able to make an entire poster out of just the inside photos. Imagine one of them is just so, like her nose. <laughs> yeah, one of the albums is going to be her lips. One's going to be her nose. What's just her her like her like forehead? Just a forehead, yeah. just a chin. Oh my god! Ne- an if, an if ear. The next, if the, yeah, if the next album insert has like a really close up body part that isn't an eye. We're building a poster. <laughs> it's like a Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah. All right. So, Pam, before we uh, wrap up here, just going back, because I can't remember if was Bad Reputation your one song that you were like wishing it was a single? Did you have a no. should have been a single song? I think I. OK, I'm honestly torn between three. I think I ultimately said Second Wind. Um, Bad Reputation, I really would have loved to put out a single but i don't know if it would have done well if i'm gonna be completely honest i think i'm just picking it because i'm obsessed with it and take you high is another example of a song that i think could have been interesting to try to do as a as a single because it really could have done well or it really maybe not have and i i I don't know um and like thinking about what was popular in 2015 i don't know (sighs) so yours is definitely dance with me right for sure. Dance With Me and Second Wind are my two should have been singles. I'm going to go with Second Wind or Take You High. So Interesting. All right. All right, team. I think we're done. This has been a very long episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, let us know your thoughts on the Piece by Piece album. Yay or nay. I'm sure most of you are going to say yay. Um, favorite songs. Songs you're mad about. Songs that should have been singles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as always, you can find us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Miss Into Podcast. If you listen on the Spotify app, please consider leaving us a rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a rating and review. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So until then, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Bye. See you guys. You've been listening to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Into Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. 
Send us your questions and comments to missindypodcast at gmail.com. 